As For Me and My House Season 2. Thanks for joining us in your homes, around your tables, or in your small groups in our church-wide study, Promises Kept, the whole story of the Bible. This is part one of chapter four, Delivered from Judgment. Well, as we are on the brink of a brand new year, if we were to interview, say, 100 people in our area and ask them, what do you think is the biggest problem that you are facing as we go into this new year? I would expect we would get similar answers. Uh, Many people would probably say, well, of course, it's this pandemic, uh, loneliness, depression, uh, the government taking away our freedoms. Yeah, and if asked for the solution to these problems, people would likely say a vaccine, restrictions being lifted, and being able to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Okay, those are all important. But when we think about our greatest problem, uh, you know, the first thing, again, yeah, what pops into our mind is what's circumstantial the hard things that we go through in our lives that we want to be delivered from. But as we get into our scripture passage today, what we will see is that our our greatest problem, our ultimate problem, is not one that we might expect. Right. Our story picks up this week with Moses. If we remember in the previous chapter, God made a covenant with Abraham that he would give land, a child through whom the deliverer would come, and blessing. When Abraham asked how he could be sure God was going to give him land— God had him cut some animals in half and put Abraham to sleep. And before walking through the animal halves to signify that God would keep this covenant, God tells Abraham exactly what would happen to his people before they inherit the promised land. God says in Genesis 15, 13 to 16, Know for certain your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried at a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Okay, so what's really going on there is that God told Abraham exactly what would happen, Mm. uh, what would happen to his family before they made it to the promised land. Mm. And that's where our story picks up today. God's word came to pass, and God's people are now in the land of Egypt, and they're enslaved. God promises Moses that he will rescue his people from the Egyptians and bring them into this land that he promised Abraham. And he wanted to do this through Moses. So let's read Exodus 3, 7 to 10. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. Wow. So this is a word of encouragement to us in our suffering that he is a God who sees, hears, and knows our affliction. He is a God who cares. Verse 8, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So we look at all this, and, and the question we ask is, okay, so what does the Israelites' greatest problem appear to be? And it's simple in our eyes, right? Uh, They're enslaved. They are mistreated. They're living in a foreign land under dark oppression. They've been slaves in this land for 400 years. And the book of Exodus opens with the Egyptian pharaoh treating Israel harshly. Their newborn sons were killed. uh, But their suffering, again, it's not unseen. God looks down. He hears their cry. He sees their pain. He knows their needs. And he promises that he will deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. 
and give them uh, to the promised land and bring them to the promised land. But how would this happen? The lyrics of this song, Pass Over Us by Andrew Peterson, summarize the story well for us. We all remember Moses on the banks of the river saying, Pharaoh, you got to let my people go. I don't want to have to tell you this 10 times over. Denial ain't just a river, you know. And we all remember Pharaoh, he just wouldn't do it. So the plagues came upon Egypt one by one and his heart was hard and the other nine just couldn't move it. So the last was the worst, the death of the firstborn son. And that is where we find ourselves in the study today, at this last plague, the plague of death. And so let's read Exodus 12, 1 to 2. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Okay, so just as today is New Year's Day for us, here God made it New Year's for them. A new year with new expectation. God was going to do something great. And this gives them hope. It's a new start. And, you know, perhaps we feel that we need a fresh start. Uh, 2021 is a new year. Well, here's what God told them to do. Let's have a close look. Verse 3. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So God told them to take a lamb for each household, a young, perfect lamb without blemish. A perfect lamb was required and do what with it? Well, to make a necessary sacrifice. Yes, that's verse six. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. So this is a lot of bloodshed, but necessary bloodshed. And this blood was to serve as a sign which would protect the Israelites from the death angel. But notice, not only were they to, number one, take a flawless lamb, and number two, make a necessary sacrifice, but they were, thirdly, to eat a meal of it. Verse 8 They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. So there would be no leftovers for dinner. And it would be a hurried meal. Yes, a hurried meal. We see that in verse 11. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So this meal was to be eaten with an atmosphere of readiness Mm. and anticipation. Uh, Kind of the same way that we would eat in an airport restaurant. You know, when that departure of your flight is is about to be announced. Uh, You know, in our day, we would be in the airport with our coats on, our backpacks strapped on, and eat that meal quickly. Uh, In that day, they were to have their cloak tucked in uh, so that they wouldn't trip over it when they're hurrying. And they were to have their sandals strapped onto their feet and their staff in their hand. So taking this lamb, making this bloody sacrifice, eating this hurried meal, where is this all going? What's the purpose? Well, now the Lord gives the reason for all of this. Verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. So, This judgment, you know, it fits Pharaoh's crimes, right? He wanted to kill all the sons uh, by midwives and the Nile. Uh, 
um, when, when the Israelite sons were born. But now God is putting the Egyptian firstborn sons to death. So judgment is the reason for this bloody sacrifice. God is making himself known as the only God by his holy and just judgment on Egypt and their false gods, a judgment mighty and severe judgment of death on firstborn beast and man. But now the Lord reveals a second purpose in this. Though many will find severe judgment, others will find severe mercy. Verse 13. Verse 13. Yes, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So just as, just as the plagues were assigned to Egypt of God's justice and judgment, now this passing over was a sign of God's mercy to Israel. And here we see that God was continuing to keep the promise, the promise of Genesis 3.15 and the Abrahamic covenant. In the midst of this looming judgment, God provided here for the seed of the woman. He protected Israel from death, Uh, for future salvation. See, when he saw the blood, he passed over. No plague will destroy you. This this whole scene, it is is awesome. It is startling, to say the least. Uh, What are we to learn from all of this? Uh, Well, we are to learn that this here is our greatest problem, God's judgment. And to learn our greatest solution is God's mercy. And thirdly, to ensure that we have applied his solution to our greatest problem. For we have no greater problem and there is no other solution to it. So let's back up now and see all the, all the lessons that are um, here in this event. Right. Lesson number one, a new start. This is the new start we must have. Just as the Lord spoke to Moses of a new start for Israel in verses one and two, this is the new start we must have. Remember, God said to Moses and Aaron, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. So God changes their entire calendar. Their Passover was to mark the beginning of the new year for Israel. This is a reminder that that God's salvation by the application of Christ's blood marks the beginning of new life for the believer. And I love this. It's a new year, a new beginning, new start, a new life. This is just a good place for us to say, you know, let's start this new year off with our eyes upon the Lord. Let's start by seeking to grow in greater communion with the one who is our true hope and our true help. He is the source of our joy and peace and life. May we start our new year seeking the things that are above. And this new start in Christ being born again by the Spirit of God, if we do not have it, it will not matter how else we start off this new year. No other resolution or action will matter. This is the true starting point for life. The significance of what this event is all about right here. This event about... Yeah, this, about, this event is really about this flawless substitute, this lamb. Uh, the lamb who was to uh, be an unblemished male of a year old. And this, of course, pictures Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb who was without sin. And notice that this lamb or this goat who represents Christ uh, needed to be sufficient for each person in each family. So back in chapter 12, verse 4, it was, uh, or verse 3, it was said that all the congregation of Israel, that on the 10th day of this month, every man, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And this is picturing that salvation must be applied by each 
uh, individual. You know, it doesn't matter, does it, if, if we are a, a member of a Christian family or a member of a Christian church. Uh, that, of course, is really helpful, but it, but it does nothing on its own to solve our problem. Uh, God's means of salvation is something that must be personally applied. Right, yeah. It says, take a lamb and your lamb shall be without blemish and you may take it. So this flawless substitute, Christ for you, whom you must take a hold of. So we must realize there is no new start, no new life, no escape from judgment without you personally taking hold of the perfect lamb of Christ in your life. And we see doing so in the way prescribed here with Christ as your substitute and necessary sacrifice. Right, as our substitute and, and necessary sacrifice. And when we say necessary sacrifice, let's not step over that first word. Uh, the word necessary is, well, necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yes, uh, God made a distinction with Israel apart from Egypt. But that was not to say that Israel was, was innocent. Mm-hmm. Let's, not, let's not make that mistake. Israel was not innocent because they were Israel or because of their bloodline. They were found innocent because of the applied blood of the substitute mm. on the doorposts of their homes. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, this stood out to me in the past. It's uh, interesting that God heard the Israelites cry. He clearly cared for them. He desired to deliver them. So why couldn't they just paint their doorway red with paint or tie a scarlet cord in the doorway or or put a special wreath on the door to distinguish them as God's people. Why did they need blood? And this is the fascinating thing, that though they were God's people with God's attention, they still needed blood to be shed, to be right with God. Because, yes, apart from the blood of the Lamb, Israel would be found guilty as well. Uh, Not because they were pagan sun-worshipping Egyptians, but because God is holy, and because all are sinners and deserve to be cut off from God. You know, one of the really good things about the Israelites here is that they knew their miserable condition as slaves. I mean, they knew it full well that they needed to be delivered from their bondage. And Israel's literal condition there as slaves is a a picture of the universal human condition. The trouble is, we don't always know our condition. We don't want to know. Uh, But the Bible is clear that, that we are born into slavery to sin. We are captives in Satan's domain of darkness. Colossians 1.13 and 2 Timothy 2.26, we'll talk about that. Uh, Jesus said in John 8.34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. But you know, the sinful condition does not want to acknowledge that very condition. You know, because we're not walking around with literal chains on or making bricks Uh, We don't feel a lash on our backs. Uh, We are usually enjoying good food and homes and jobs. And so we say to ourselves, I don't feel like a slave. I don't look like a slave. When in fact, we are captives to to, to sin in our minds, our hearts, and our wills. So this comparison, though, is not only just to slavery, but we could also be compared to Pharaoh, couldn't Mm -hmm. we, Mm -hmm. Lauren? Uh, Like Pharaoh, we think we are godlike. Like Pharaoh, our heart says no to being ruled by another. Certainly, we don't want to be ruled by a singular God who is revealed in Scripture, who claims authority over us, who sets our terms. Uh, That is the world we live in. That's the world that you and I are a part of, uh, battling over authority. 
Hmm. grasping to be in charge, to set the direction, to be like Pharaoh. That's the world. All having rejected our creator God as our true and ultimate authority, uh, going toe-to-toe with God, with holy God, creator God, and thus deserving nothing less than the severe judgment of this God. Right. So this salvation is a salvation by God, but it's also a salvation from God. Uh, It is this God and his grace we see provide this way of salvation through the blood of a substitute. And we see the Lord accepted the blood of the sacrifice and passed over their sin. And similarly, those who have been born again by God have Christ's blood covering them. Praise God, he sees Christ's blood on us and he will pass over our sin in the wrath to come. He forgives our trespasses and he sees Christ's righteousness as our own. But again, what we must see is this. Uh, Though the Israelites had been protected from the previous nine plagues, think about it. They now had to act faithfully in order to appropriate God's solution. It was necessary that they take the right lamp, uh, necessary for his blood to be applied over their doorposts, and necessary that they eat this lamb dinner. So let's look at that lamb dinner. In verses 8 to 11, God provides instructions on how to serve and eat this meal. Verse 8, they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread. Now the use of the unleavened bread, and also we had talked about the the clothing, the sandals that were strapped on, and the belts and the staffs in their hands. Uh, That is all to say that they needed to be prepared to get up and go in a heartbeat. And that is an important picture for us, that the gospel is something that we must respond to right away with no delay, no time to waste. Today is the day of salvation. And this urgency is a picture not only for us coming to Christ, but as uh, disciples of Christ, as we live our lives following Jesus, Hmm. we need to be on deck. We need to be having all systems go ready to obey and to serve the Lord. And then the bitter herbs, what's this about? And bitter herbs they shall eat. So not just for flavor, no. The bitter herbs were a reminder of the bitterness of Israel's centuries of slavery in Egypt. I love these little details that are provided. They are so rich with meaning. We likewise should remember the bitterness from which God has saved us. We were in bitter bondage to our sins, yet through Christ, our perfect Passover lamb, we were delivered from the wrath of God and given new life. How important it is that we perceive our past life of sin as bitter. Well, Thomas Watson says, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. So remember what God has done for you in delivering you from bondage and giving you life. You know, it's so good for me to look back on my life before Christ and remember. Scripture constantly tells us to remember. When I look back, I remember emptiness and heartache, being lost and loved and slave to the world and its approval. What freedom and sweetness came when Christ entered in. I've lived for everything else and known bitterness. What I've come to find is that he alone is worth living for, and he alone makes life sweet. Okay, well, we have seen our greatest problem, God's judgment for guilty sinners, and our greatest solution, God's mercy by a perfect lamb. And we've seen, thirdly, our response, obedient faith. I mean, think how easy it could have been for those various households not to act in faith. Mm. And we live in an age of of endless objections to Christianity. Uh, People oppose this message of a holy God and one way of salvation in Christ. 
And again, it just shows our feral heartedness. We don't want to be ruled. We want to rule. But consider, if an Israelite questioned or doubted God's word to Moses by saying, this doesn't make sense, or why do I need blood? That's gross. His firstborn would have died. And if he said, I'm vegan and I believe in animal rights, I'm not going to kill and eat a lamb. His firstborn would have died. Obedient faith takes God at his word and it acts on it. Just as the firstborn in Egypt were in danger of being smitten by the death angel, so men, women, and children are in danger of living out eternity in hell, enduring the eternal wrath of God. And God's judgment, it is no fairy tale. Pharaoh would not believe it, despite the warnings. And then it happened. Verse 29, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. Wow, those are sobering verses. And notice the fullness and the completeness of that judgment described on whom from top to bottom in age and everyone in between. Mm. And so in verse 30, Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. You know, I know this doctrine of judgment and this doctrine of hell, uh, by the efforts of many, it is, it's almost been erased in many churches. Well, you know, here we see it is not erased in God's book. It's not erased in God's calendar. It is rather written in ink, permanent marker. So our greatest problem is real. But then again, so is the great solution. It too is real. Mm. The solution to the problem is once again a lamb. The lamb of God, Jesus Christ, on whom our sins were laid. He bore our sins in his body. He died for our sins. He absorbed the wrath of God that we deserve so that men could escape from the coming wrath of God and could participate in his promised blessings. As we start this new year, there's really no a greater question than to ask, have you applied God's solution? Have you applied the sacrificial blood of Jesus to your heart? You know, believing in general that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins is not what we see here or what the Bible teaches. You and I must recognize our our desperate condition Mm -hmm. as a slave to sin Mm -hmm. and that we are under God's just condemnation. And in response, we, we must exercise obedient faith by putting trust in Christ as as your substitutionary mm-hmm. lamb. Mm-hmm. And if your faith is genuine, it, you will seek to grow in holiness. You will seek to have your sandals strapped on mm-hmm. and ready to go and do as Christ bids. Mm-hmm. Well, that is that is our prayer, uh, that, that you, even this moment, will accept the salvation which God offers to you through the sacrifice of his son, who, who has been raised from the dead and who will return to the earth to execute judgment on all of those who have rejected his sacrifice. So the offer of salvation, it is before you. And there is no better way to start this new year than with deliverance from slavery, Mm. than with new life from God and new life with God, Mm -hmm. to receive it and to remember it. And that is the kind of blessed new year that we wish for you on this January the 1st, 2021. Thanks for joining us. Join us again as we continue in our study through Promises Kept, the whole story of the Bible in two weeks. This podcast comes out every second Friday as we dive into the second half of chapter four, Delivered from Judgment. May the Lord give you a blessed new year in Christ.